Welcome to the Under Grace Podcast. This podcast covers everything of how Jesus Christ, Yeshua, God, or Jehovah relates to us. God represents all things holy, pure, righteous, just, praiseworthy. The list goes on and on. Every human is a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. However, the story doesn't end there. Romans 6.14 says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Grace is undeserved, God-given help, offered to everybody for our renewal or purification or forgiveness. Still with me here? Great. Get ready to sit back and enjoy God's grace. Welcome to this latest episode of the Under Grace Podcast. I hope this finds you well. I'm going to start this off with a scripture verse. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. This is found in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 through 8. This clearly states a strong point. Be sober. How can we discern the guiding of the Holy Spirit when we're under the influence of any controlled substance? Most of the time when the word sober comes up, you automatically think of alcohol. However, this can mean any number of controlled substances. Marijuana, narcotics, painkillers, barbiturates, NSAIDs, or anything else that alters the mind. This episode, however, will simply deal with the most abundant controlled substance out there, alcohol. The Bible doesn't condone drinking alcohol. When Jesus turned water into wine, it wasn't grape juice, as my family-friendly Sunday school teacher said. This was real, authentic Hebrew wine. However, the Bible clearly states that we should remain sober in spirit. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Then Peter writes in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And now, a word from our sponsor. We all depend on our cell phones, laptops, tablets, computers, and other devices. They are the lifeblood of a business. They store priceless information. They help us with school assignments. They keep us in touch with friends and loved ones. They keep us on time to appointments or remind us of important dates. One of the most frustrating and sometimes devastating things is when one of your devices doesn't function as well anymore or even completely stops working. This is where Integrity Device Repair comes to the rescue. Integrity Device Repair is a concierge device repair company that can set up and fix your smartphone, tablet, Mac or PC, smartwatch, gaming console or music player, and help you master it. They can help in selected stores or over the phone. Their down-to-earth and professional technicians will physically meet you anywhere in the state of Colorado, whether it be where you work or live. Pick a location and they'll be there, rain, snow, or shine. Are you outside of Colorado? No problem. Simply mail your device in and Integrity Device Repair will take care of it. Cracked screens, water damage, speaker issues, no signal, device rebuilds or battery issues. 
No job is too difficult for Integrity Device Repair. Do you need a new case for your cell phone, a flash drive, a Bluetooth headset, the latest laptop or cellular device? Integrity Device Repair offers competitive prices for all these as well. Contact Integrity Device Repair at idrtech.us. That's idrtech.us. They have the highest ratings on Google and many satisfied customer testimonials. As a promotional opportunity exclusively for listeners of this podcast, enter the word UNDRGRCE in all caps into the message section under customer support and receive a 10% discount on your purchase. Try Integrity Device Repair and they will live up to their honest reputation with their fair pricing and flexible schedule. Integrity Device Repair. They can fix it almost as fast as you can break it. Many Christian churches are against consuming alcohol. Even at some churches, you could be excommunicated for drinking alcohol. Alcohol is found in some cough medicines too. So is it wrong for Christians to drink this cough medicine? Some churches have been divided as the result of the alcohol issue. Consuming alcohol can also become a stumbling block for believers, while at the same time, other Christians take no issue with having a celebratory beer or an occasional glass of wine with their meals. So here's the question burning in many people's minds. Is drinking alcohol wrong? No. However, is drinking too much alcohol wrong? That answer is yes. To take this question a step further, how does one know if they've had too many drinks? How do they know what the limit is? The Bible is very upfront that mature Christians should prevent others from falling away by drinking alcohol, Romans 14.21, that those in authority should refrain from drinking alcohol, Proverbs 31.4-7, and shouldn't become drunk, 1 Timothy 3.3 and Titus 1.7, and that drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God, 1 Corinthians 6.9-10. The issue of consuming alcohol is not about the substance itself, but in the amount that one consumes. In 1 Timothy 5.23, Paul even told Timothy to no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. So if drinking alcohol was sinful, why would Paul, as Timothy's mentor, tell him to drink it? Wine may have some medicinal benefits. If red wine is consumed in moderation, it may be good for the heart. There are antioxidants in red wine that help prevent heart disease, cancer, and a few other infirmities. Jean Clement, the oldest documented woman in history who lived to be the amazing age of 122, was asked what her secret to health was. Drinking a small amount of port wine after meals, she told reporters. However, anything that is done in excess can lead to trouble. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 20, verse 1, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. It is interesting that Solomon refers that strong drink is a brawler. I'm sure you've heard of one too many fights breaking out as a result of too much alcohol consumption. Isaiah addressed the effects of drunkenness in Isaiah 28, verse 7. But they also have erred through wine and through intoxicating drink are out of the way. The priests and the prophet have erred through intoxicating drink. As a side note here, priests were not allowed to drink at all. See Leviticus 10 verse 9. They are swallowed up by wine. They are out of the way through intoxicating drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. This reminds me of drunk drivers whose careless actions kill others on roads, 
sometimes even themselves, or they die as a result of alcohol poisoning. Isaiah again writes in Isaiah 5.22, Woe to men mighty at drinking wine! Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink! Offering others alcohol for nefarious purposes is a sin, as recorded in Habakkuk 2.15. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor, pressing him to your bottle, even to make him drunk, that you may look on his nakedness. Even Noah got drunk one time and embarrassed himself in front of his sons. This happened in Genesis 9.20-23. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk, and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. It also appears that Solomon wrote from personal knowledge in Proverbs 23, 29-33. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine, do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. So now that I've gotten out of the way that when consuming strong drink or wine is overdone, it is sinful. This results in bad choices and sometimes corruption. However, God still allows the drinking of wine and other strong drinks. In the Feast of Tabernacles, God explained to Israel in Deuteronomy 14, 26-27, And you shall spend the money for whatever your heart desires, for oxen or sheep, for wine or similar drink. For whatever your heart desires, you shall eat there before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your household. You shall not forsake the Levite who is within your gates, for he has no part nor inheritance with you. Solomon addressed that God supplied blessings for his people in Psalm 104, 14-15. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man that he may bring forth food from the earth, and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. Solomon also recorded in Ecclesiastes 9.7, Go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. Causing your brother to stumble. I don't think that Paul forbade the drinking of wine due to his recommendation to Timothy to drink wine for his stomach. However, Paul mentioned that drunkenness was a sin. There are some people who've had past addiction to alcohol, and as Christians, we need to avoid consuming alcohol when we're around them as to not place a stumbling block of offense before them. See 2 Corinthians 6.3. There are also other Christians who are convicted to not drink alcohol at all. We need to show them the same respect that we do for Christians who are former alcoholics. Paul also talked of building a stumbling block for people who don't eat meat that is sacrificed to idols. This same standard could be practiced when it comes to drinking alcohol. In 1 Corinthians 8, 9-13, Paul wrote, But beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. 
For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes your brother stumble, I would never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Controlling Yourself I'm not advocating that it's okay for Christians to drink alcohol or not. However, take into consideration the convictions of other Christians who you may insult because of your drinking. Some former alcoholics can be overcome by the impulse to drink simply by being around those who do or by the very smell of it. It is essential to be aware of how your Christian friends view alcohol consumption. So, if you drink, use your discernment, restraint, and drink in moderation. I can't think of anything positive that has ever come from being drunk. How can you just have one drink? With self-control, of course, which is also a fruit of the Spirit. This is found in Galatians 5, 22-23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. God's Holy Spirit has given us specific instruction and has called us to live a life of obedience. Our limitations are not in line with our logical thoughts, especially after we've had one too many drinks. If you've ever been drunk before, you'll know that your senses are dulled. You say things or do things that you normally don't say or do. At that point, logic and reason have been dismissed, therefore losing any sense of self-control. You lack the distinction of when it is enough and time to quit. So rather than putting yourself at risk of becoming drunk, you choose to drink in moderation, knowing your limitations. A friend once told me, one is too few and five is not enough. In Galatians 5, 24-25, it says, And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We can interpret this both literally and figuratively. An obvious interpretation is, don't get drunk. Don't be under the influence of anyone or anything except for Jesus Christ. But figuratively speaking, we can be intoxicated with other things. Jesus says in Luke 21, 34, Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the words of this life. Don't let the day catch you unaware. In this, we need to always be aware and ready for the coming of Christ. Ask yourself this. What activity will you be doing when Jesus comes back for the second coming? Will you be in the act of serving him? Will you be sober-minded? Or will you be driving in traffic, flipping off someone who just cut in front of you, or cursing under your breath because you felt offended by something your boss just said? In Matthew 5, 1-4, Jesus addresses this. Here we find the parable of the ten wise and foolish virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. 
And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So, what are you going to be doing when the Son of God comes back? Will you be ready? Will you have oil in your lamp? What you eat or where you live are normal human concerns as you provide for yourself and your family. But let's not allow these things to become more of a preoccupation than our number one priority, our relationship with Jesus. Let's not allow ourselves to become intoxicated with things that hinder us in our relationship with God, but instead be his example here on earth. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Under Grace Podcast. If you have any questions, ideas for future episodes, or would like to drop me a line, please email me at theundergracepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at undergracepodcast and Twitter at ugpodcast316. Now go forth and live your lives under God's never-ending grace.